Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. Welcome to episode 57 of the Restricted Zone podcast. I'm with the usual crew, the Restricted Zone crew. Uh, Kyrie, I mean, Chris, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Absolutely. Kendrick, introduce yourself, man. Yo, it's Kendrick. You know, the smartest one on here, as always. Yes, the controversial one. Well, that's for the next person. Greg, introduce yourself, man. How controversial if it's right. God bless. Happy to be with you all. <laughs> Mar, introduce yourself, man. What's up, yo? Thanks for having me, Cole. Oh, definitely, definitely. So we're gonna it's gonna be a combination of NFL and NBA. We're gonna start off with the NFL. Uh so you know, as you guys know, Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford finally won his first Super Bowl ring. Uh so this is gonna be something that I want to ask you guys because it's something that was weighing on my mind. Where does this so where does this Super Bowl win Super Bowl win solidify Matthew Stafford uh as a Hall of Famer, you know? And does this make him a Hall of Famer? And where does he rank among the quarterbacks inside the league with the Super Bowl ring? So I want to swing it to Kendrick first. Let me see what Kendrick says. Um, I mean, for Matthew Stafford, I feel like this, you know, this can get him into the Super Bowl with this win, because showing that if he actually had a good team around him. He can do it. Being in Detroit, he didn't never he never really had the best team on the defensive side. And, you know, he did have a couple good players on offensive, but like just as an overall team, it was never good. He goes to a good team where they just needed a quarterback and he showed out. I mean, it was looking iffy then, but I feel like this does help his case to be a Hall of Famer. And then, you know, I mean, if Troy Aikman can make the Hall of Fame, Matthew Stafford should be able to definitely make the Hall of Fame from this one Super Bowl. But I don't I think if he as long as he stays with the Rams, he has a possibility to win another Super Bowl as long as they have all the pieces come back together, you know, especially hearing that Aaron Donald may not retire if everybody comes back. So it's just like that whole thing. So he still has a he could still uh, solidify himself by, you know, having another Super Bowl run the following year and actually winning it all to help solidify it. But like right now at the current thing, I think he can get by in the Hall of Fame. Just barely he may scrape by, but I think he can get in it. Wait, so uh, Kendrick, let me let, let me throw this question in. You said that uh, it showed that Matthew Stafford, if he's surrounded by with great talent, uh, you think he would have more than one Super Bowl? You think he'd have about three or four? Or you um, like just- if he had a if he had a team, if he had the team like he did with the Rams? Then, uh, yeah, most definitely. I feel like he could definitely – because he's a good quarterback. Like, he's like – he's just – you know, you never really, you know, heard big things about him. Or if you did, they were, like, minuscule once once in a while. There, But he's an actual good player. It's just that in his, in his history, he never had a – really – he never had a good team on both sides of the ball. So, it's like, you know, then you then you then then he'll, like, he gets swept under the rug and, you know, people look over him. But now that he has all that – you see, you see that he's actually a good quarterback. Yes, he's a risk taker, and he does have, you know, he's prone to mess up. But everyone, everyone's prone to mess up. But I just say, keep the talent around him. He, you, you have a chance of winning a Super Bowl with him. All right, you, you made some sound points, Chris. I want to swing it to you. Just give me your thoughts on Matthew Stafford. I mean, well, like I said in the preseason before the season even started, I had the Rams going to the Super Bowl and winning it because I felt like. With the team that Matthew Stafford was on, he was not going to, have to play hero ball like he was like he constantly had to do with Detroit. And uh, I think it proved me right that he was able to make. The, I mean, even though he had some points of season where he looked like he was going back to that Detroit Matthew Stafford, ultimately when it came down to it, he made the big plays that he needed to make in order for his team to win. Um, so to answer the question about if this solidifies a Hall of Famer. At first, I was I was all the way on board like he should be a Hall of Famer because of just because that I think that was the only thing he was missing because he's the fastest quarterback to get 20,000, 20, 40,000 yards, passing yards. He's also top 10 in passing yards and, and passing touchdowns right now. And again, he's still it looks like he still has like another good seven, eight years left in him. Um, but I think he's in a weird spot only with the sense that. I feel like from a talent perspective, he should he should be considered he should be solidified for a Hall of Fame spot. But then again, when you look at his resume, his resume doesn't say much 
which I feel like isn't really doesn't really go against him. It's just puts him in an awkward position because for two years he threw a forty touchdown passes. But both those years he threw a forty touchdown passes. He was not he didn't get selected to play in the Pro Bowl. But in twenty fourteen, his only Pro Bowl year, he only threw twenty two touchdown passes. So it's like he's in a in a weird spot, so to say. And I don't really understand how how that is. Like for example, how he only has one Pro Bowl appearance. Then again, he he had he threw for forty touchdown passes and over four thousand, five thousand yards on on multiple occasions. So I think that this solidified him in that he's like on the bridge of being a Hall of Famer. I think that in if he continues the path that he's on, maybe win another ring. But I absolutely keep the same stats he get, and I think now that being in L.A., he's going to get the exposure they wasn't able to get in Detroit because with L.A. Whether they are a good team or a bad team moving forward, LA is always going to get exposure because it's a big city. Compared to Detroit, especially when you're the Lions and you're bad, you're not really going to get any attention. So being in LA, as long as he continues to play the way that he has been playing in his career, I feel like not only her stats going to go up, but I think more people are going to start to see him not so much as an underrated quarterback anymore, but see him as one of the top top. I'm just going to say top ten quarterbacks in the league. I think with that recognition, he'll get he'll get more rewards as in Pro Bowl appearances or whatever the case may be. And then I think he'll be a, a surefire slot for all things. So as of right now, I personally think that winning the ring helped him solidify to become a borderline Hall of Famer. But as a borderline Hall of Famer, that means you can or couldn't make it. So I think just if he continues on the path that he's on right now, maybe win another ring, a couple more Pro Bowl appearances, he'll definitely, definitely be solidified to be a Hall of Famer. All right. That sounds fair. You made some good points. Interesting points, some key facts. Uh, before I get to those, I'm gonna, Mara, I'm going to swing it to you. Just give me your thoughts. Um, well, so far, I'm just going to, you know, just keep it going. I don't really think he's a Hall of Famer just yet. I don't think – I agree with Chris by saying the only thing he was missing was Super Bowl, but – I don't think you could just give it to somebody like that with that kind of resume with only one Pro Bowl appearance. Maybe somebody with like three or four with at least the MVP and it's like, all right, so, okay, so we can see what he can do. But I just think he, you know, needs more. He has to add more to the table because you can't just like look down the future a couple years later or years from now and just show your kids, oh, yeah, Matthew Stafford, Google them, and they're going to be like, that's all a famer. Like, it, it doesn't really work like that. So if he keeps it up and if he wins, then, yeah, I can see it. But right now, kind of borderline. Okay. All right. I mean, so uh, one thing you said, uh, his, so you feel like his accomplishments, uh, they aren't Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame worthy enough uh, to be put it on. It sure the- ain't. It sure is. Like Chris was saying, he was the fastest to reach all these milestones, but he couldn't get a playoff game. So what's all that talent or what's all them accomplishments if you can't even give me a game, bro? So it's just like well, – Well, I mean, it. when you consider, you know, you know, he was toying around with the teams he had, yes, you know, it, it clearly under the team that he has now, you know, so that's a big – or you, you feel like that's not a good enough excuse? It's not. Okay. If you're the fastest to do all this and you're doing all of this, I need – lead a game from you and you've been there it's not like you just got there you just lost like he's been there more than once all right uh greg i want to swing it to you just give me your thoughts um i feel like everyone's kind of said uh mostly everything that i wanted to say about matthew Seffer. i mean i i just don't think he's done enough i think if he can put on a five-year stretch uh, from here on out, that kind of that makes his like career like a tale of two halves, kind of similar to like a Kurt Warner type of vibe. Um, in terms of just like being able to bounce back, I mean, obviously they're not the same in terms of the story, but um, in terms like then I think he has more of a chance, but I think he needs to win uh, a lot more because I mean he's still nine games under five hundred right now. Um, even with the, even going, even with going 12 and five this year. Um, so I think he needs to kind of just kind of lead that franchise. And I, I think even with, even with most of the Rams coming back next year, like what he's able to do over this next five years, 
uh, stretch, I think, will play the uh, biggest indication because I feel like his career right now, even though his the numbers in terms of just like passing stats and all that stuff, kind of show that he's like been a great quarterback. His career kind of just reminds me of like Archie Manning for the most part. If you take away this past year, like with the Rams, it kind of just reminds me of just like um, Archie Manning, like when he was with the Saints. Like they just did a whole lot of losing, and but and it was but he was very respected. With the Saints, he was very he, he did a whole lot of losing, but he was very respected in the league. Like I think uh, Matthew Stafford just did a whole lot of losing, even though this team wasn't great, but he was just very respected in the league. And people know it wasn't necessarily his fault that they were losing. Like he was doing his best. So he kind of just gave me – and Archie Manning isn't in the Super Bowl. It's just a really recognizable name that everyone knows. So I think that's kind of like where Matthew Stafford is. And I think winning the Super Bowl kind of helped uh look at him in a new light but he has like a lot of work to do i think he needs at least another solid five years of like five i mean 12 or like 11 12 win seasons to kind of just rewrite his history okay it sounds Hold on. well go ahead I think, that, I think that's like unfair to be like oh you know you know he's nine games under 500 but it's like it's not like he was on good teams and was doing bad. His team overall was bad, but he was the only bright spot at times for that team. So, I agree. so like you can't just be you can't just say that like oh he needs to prove these next five years. He's proven himself that he himself is a good player because the Hall of Fame isn't about team; it's about individual play, uh-huh. in which he as an individual to help your team win. He did his best as an individual to try and help his team win every single game, right. every single year. But mm-hmm. the team around him was not helping him. Okay. So I feel like he doesn't need the next five years to prove it. He could probably the next two the, after this year, the next year, and probably the, maybe the, even the following year, depending on how that next year goes, that's all he may need so to really solidify and show that, oh, I, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. So you're saying three versus five years. Say that again. You're saying three years versus five years. Yeah, maybe even not even three could be like next year. Literally, if he does what he did this year, next year, and go above five hundred, go have a deep run in the playoffs, make it to the Super Bowl. That that says a lot right there, and that shows him as an individual and what he brings to the table when he actually has good talent around him. Yeah. And like not having good talent around him, you you we can bring up multiple different people on different teams who ha- who was the best who's the bright spot but didn't have a good found a good team around them and they didn't do anything and they lost you can bring up other people but they're pro- but they- and then when they got to a good team or a better team they won and you see the difference in that so i feel like the five years is too long because it's like at that point it's going to be oversaturated when he doesn't need that long yeah but i think you need the five years like right now, I think you could I can make the argument that he can make a deep playoff run like within like the next two like because this is a lot of hypothetically hypotheticals, but I think it'll be a debate if you just go to the next two years, if you just go to the next three years. Like it'll still be a debate. I think if he sustains a five year period, I don't think it'll be that much of a debate, is what I'm trying to tell you. Like I think the, like, 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 I forget who said it earlier. It's borderline in the negative right now. I feel like for Matthew Stafford, and I think if he puts together another a three year run, I think it's less, a little bit less of a debate. I think if he can sustain this level of play over the next five years, then I think it's like, all right, like, come on, yo, like you wild him, like he probably deserves to be a Hall of Famer. But if he wins a championship within the next three, like if he wins two of the three championships in the next three years, what like I still don't understand why it has to go to four or five. Because you know, then because then you have to look and be like, well, now he has more championships than Aaron Rodgers, and people probably gonna say people probably aren't gonna argue about Aaron Rodgers being a Hall of Famer. But if you look at like you know, he still has the, Matthew Stafford still has the numbers, and he has the cha- and he has the championship, and could possibly have more championships, and. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't see it being that big of a deal and having the need to be that to do it for that long of a period. Yeah, I mean, listen, the only thing I would say is, like, I feel like for Matthew Stafford, he has a lot of um, game winning drives and, you know, he's able to do the most that he could with like a, a, a terrible franchise like the Detroit Lions. 
But at, at the end of the day, it's a result. It's a results-based business, and like it's the NFL. Like I understand that he's a great player, and individually he did great things. But I think the quarterback position is viewed as a position where you need to be able to like elevate your team. It, like like it's an unfair position because you get you heap you get heap all of the praise when you're doing well, but you get all of the failure when you're not doing as well. I could be a sack leader for 15 years in a row and make the Hall of Fame solely just based off of the fact that I sacked a lot of people and I was a great defensive end, but I never had a winning season with my team. And I think that career could potentially do have a better, easier job of making it to the Hall of Fame than a quarterback could. It's unfair, but like you also get a lot of the 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 benefits and a lot of the praise when things go well. So yes, I agree it's unfair. But I just think that's just the the reality that we live in. I mean, the Hall of Fame is unfair in so, in certain regards. Okay. All right. So moving on to the next topic of this episode, we're gonna talk about Kyler Murray. So, uh, first things I want to ask is some. This is the first part of the question. What do you guys feel? What do you guys think of Kyler Murray as a quarterback and? his potential. And then the second part of uh, this is Kyler Murray. He got some tension with the Cardinals. Social media posts has gotten involved. Uh, he took down his pictures off Instagram. You guys feel like Kyler Murray uh, would potentially not be a Cardinals by next year? Or do you feel like the Cardinals could try to make something happen and make you know, work it out with them with their star quarterback? Or do you feel like it's a, it's a dead end? And what team would you like to see Kyler Murray get traded to or potentially force himself out to. Uh, I want to swing it to Chris first. Go ahead, Chris. I mean, I don't think this is the end of Kyler Murray in Arizona, first of all. I, that's the one thing. I think right now they're in a situation where the team is stagnant, only in the sense that they've had two back-to-back years where they started off very hot and finished very poorly. That's about it. Now, honestly, what it comes down to with the frustration between the Cardinal, the organization and Kyler Murray is that everybody's kind of pointing the finger at one another and kind of blaming each other for what actually happens. Um, I feel like I've, I, again, I mean, I know how Mars says he doesn't trust Kyler Murray because of how, because of like short quarterbacks and everything in the league. And I understand that. I still feel like even though he had a bad, a, a very bad um, postseason debut, I still think it's way too early to give up on Kyler Murray himself. Because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not comparing him to this quarterback. Not saying he's at that level, but I'm just saying Peyton Manning lost his first three playoff games before he started becoming the great quarterback that we all know, that we all know and love to this day. So just because you have a very bad, a uh, bad playoff debut, does not mean that you still can't be the guy to take that team to the next level. Now, what I will say is, I kind of siding with Kyler Murray in the sense because of the fact that. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it was right for Kyler Murray to basically kind of be frustrated with the Cardinals because of how I guess how the team is structured, the front office, how they created this team. But I think he does have a right to be frustrated in the sense that I feel like the Cardinals have not have a head coach that should not be a head coach for the Cardinals right now. I, I Cliff Kingsbury to me has not proven anything even before his time in Arizona that to even make him worthy enough to be the head coach. I feel like he was a bad hire to begin with. I feel like. Um, I feel like at times that not only hit that, but his coaching staff does not take the game seriously. Again, that's a, and again, again, that falls off Kingsbury. Cause when I look at Kingsbury, this is a guy that had an under 500 record at Texas tech. So what out of that, out of his six years at Texas tech and one bowl appearance showcased to you that he deserves to be a head coach in at the national football league. Uh, not only that though, but Again, again, he has a history. Cliff Kingsbury has a history of teams underachieving, kind of like how Doc Rivers has a history of teams underachieving in the playoffs. Cliff Kingsbury, even at going back to his Texas Tech years, had multiple teams that had very high starts that would start off like 6-0, 7-0, and then finish below 500 and not may have a bowl appearance. So obviously, I really cannot blame Kyler Murray for everything. Obviously, yes, he has made mistakes. There are going to be growing pains along the way. That comes with every quarterback. But I think he still is, has, is talented enough to be able to take the Cardinals to the next level. Albeit, he does need DeAndre Hopkins, and they need to strengthen up their offensive line. I think that was – I think – 
not only did they get a bad matchup in the Rams, I felt like the offensive line was still missing pieces here and there. Outside of Rodney Hudson, I don't really know anybody else on the offensive line that I can really trust. So I think going into this offseason, I think the Cardinals need to get a different head coach, one that is actually equipped and prepared to coach an NFL team. I think they need to strengthen the offensive line, and I think they need to find another pass rusher because as of right now, Chandler Jones is a free agent. And from the reports that we saw, that we heard about him early in the year, I don't think he's going to be back in Arizona. So now you don't have a dynamic pass rusher anymore, and J.J. Watson can't turn into that dynamic pass rusher he once was. He's too old and beat up for that anymore. So I think they need to strengthen their offensive line. They need to strengthen their pass rushing, and they need to get a new coach. If they do all that, I think both sides will be happy at the, at the end of the day. Okay, that sounds fair. Uh, Mar, I want to ask you, and Chris made a basketball reference uh, when it came to the coaches, and I figured uh, I want to ask you this. When you see exactly Kyle Murray's situation with the Cardinals, as Chris pointed out, the point of fingers, uh, as a quarterback, you get the line share to blame whether it's fair or not. Uh, do you feel like in this terms of situation as the Sixers and Ben Simmons, do you feel like Kyle Murray is being uh, treated wrong in the situation? Uh, give me your thoughts on that. Um, I don't really feel like – oh, yeah. I, I can agree with that. I don't really feel like they made um, – Kyler feel like he's really – that guy for their team like they they I feel like they just have them and they're just like okay we're gonna give you this opportunity when we give you this team but it's not really like a sure kind of thing and it's just like okay well you didn't work out so now we're just gonna you know do do our thing with it and we're gonna see how we can do with it instead of you know actually cooperating with their player but uh Kyler Murray situation or just Kyler Murray I mean, I'm, listen, I'm I'm not surprised at this at all. I'm I'm really not surprised. The the next team I would really want to see him play for. I mean, I would want to see him play for the New York Yankees. I'm a Yankees fan, so I'd be I'd be that'd be cool to see if the Yankees could pick him up because I don't see him playing quarterback for real. Wait, wait, wait. So he's just crossing. He's crossing sports now. That's where we're going with this. I mean, I, that's, that's where he should. He got drafted to should. the A's at first. He did. That's where he should have won. <laughs> All right. So you you don't see him as a potential quarterback superstar anymore. No franchise. He just he's not hanging up. Kyler Murray is not the NFL. Well, it is kind of early, but my prediction is he's not the NFL quarterback. Like when I watch Kyler Murray. I'm not going to say I'm a professional quarterback or I can do what a professional quarterback does, but the way he plays, it looks like he's playing backyard football. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's only so much or how far that that can take you in the NFL. For example, when you put a QB spot, then where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? He's not Michael Vick. So it's just like, there's ways to stop that. And it's just like, that's how I would be playing quarterback if I was in the NFL, I'd just be running for my life and throwing. And that's what it looked like he's done. That's what it looked like he does. And that's why I felt like he was going to blow. It's not all of him, but, like, he, would, he wouldn't take this opportunity as far as he should have, especially after how they started the season when he was being the MVP favorite. So, I mean, it's a tough situation and all. But I felt like I knew this was coming. Okay. All right, you feel like you should cross sports. Uh, Kendrick, I'm going to swing it to you. Just, uh, what's your thoughts on Kyler Murray's situation? What do you think the, the next potential destination he could go to? Listen, honestly, I don't think he has to go anywhere. But also, another question is, where would he go? There's, like, really no place that really is going to be looking for uh, a quarterback. I mean, but you thinking, what, Broncos? Like, I feel like there's, like, not many places where, like, you know, there's a chance to go unless there's, like, a trade between, you know, quarterback for a quarterback. But I think the whole situation, I think what the problem is, is that it's pointing fingers, and that's what's actually becoming annoying in professional teams and, like, front offices and coaches and players. It's like everybody wants to point fingers and take the blame off themselves when y'all should just be – y'all should just grow up, be adults about it, and just – 
take responsibility for what you messed up for. Whether our right, Kyler Murray messed up on his play, okay, but how was the coaching? What was going on with that? Like, what was the coaching top tier? Like, are, do we know that, or is it? Oh, well, the front office and the head coach gets to say something first, and then the players have to react. And I feel like that's where problems lie, and that's where players get upset, and you know, there's there's tension and all that with um within the organization because you want to you know blame somebody instead of just not everyone take accountability instead of blaming everybody make sure everyone like oh take accountability for what you've done and say make sure that the, and tell the other person like listen we're not going to throw you underneath the bus because we had our faults to be like we'll take accountability as long as you take accountability but if you don't take accountability then we're just going to have this back and forth like you know back and forth stuff like we're little kids and not being able to just be like you know to be like wow i sat here i messed up and this was my problem and this is what i did wrong so how can we fix this going forward and how can we fix this as a whole instead of you know oh it's his fault so he has to figure out his thing so that's how i look at it as like everybody just has to take has to be accountable and not point fingers yeah you i and uh you know you also can, I, can i jump in all right go ahead mar I got. I just got a quick question. Um, Kendrick, when you're like running like a team or like a business like that, do you really think everybody can take accountability? Listen, I mean, I feel like you should. That should be part of your culture, like just holding everybody accountable. Like, if if you see me messing up, if I'm like, if I'm the manager and you see me messing up, and you be like, "Yo, call me out. Tell me to take pay. Call me out on it." Like that's how that's how I would look at it. It's just my from my perspective i want that type of culture where like you can call me out because i have the same respect for you and i can call you out and we have that same mutual respect for each other where we can call each other out and make sure we both take accountability for our problems and what we're doing wrong to fix them to make the business or the team or whatever is run better and work better okay well with that being said do you think it's fair for everybody to take accountability for things that they can't even control I mean, but that, I mean, uh, well, no, I don't, I would say what I meant by that is like, I want you to take accountability for things that are in your control. If there's something that's out of your control, out of anybody's control and that just happens, we have to know, it'd be like, wow, that's, it just happened. So like, what can we do? It's just like, we just have to adjust to that. That's not something you can't, you don't have to take accountability for something that's not in your field or not in your like realm of understanding or doing something. And it's just like, just take accountability for your actions and your responsibilities and I'll do the same. And then we will adjust to things outside of our nature and outside of our, um, outside of our like responsibility. Last question. And then I'm done. Do you, do you, um, the players that ask for certain coaches when they, Oh, hire this coach, get that person. And then does it work out? Do they are they both being held accountable, or is it more that player that extra that that uh silent help? So um both has to take accountability because they probably have a reputation, but in the if it's like a player asking for that coach, the player has to take player has to be more accountable for that, has to take more of that responsibility and being like, you wanted this and this doesn't work out. Yes, we're going to blame the coach for not, you know, holding up his end of the bargain, but we're not going to put everything on the coach. We're going to put more on you because this is what you wanted. This is what you said. You you stood up and put your chest out and said, I want this, and it didn't work out. So we're going to look at you because you wanted this. We didn't want this. Cool. I got to understand it. All right. I mean, Kendra, you shared the same sentiments with the best, uh, Ben Simmons situation. So uh, it was good to get your insight on this, Greg. Uh, I'm going to swing it to you last before we go on to the next topic. Go ahead, Greg. I just think Kyler Murray, um, you know, I feel like he's getting a lot of, like, unfair blame, I think. Because um, I, I just think it, it's being directly solely at Kyler Murray, and I think it, it's just a lot of blame to go all, all the way around. I don't like the way that the management has handled this. I don't like the way that Kyler Murray kind of went about like letting his frustrations known. I don't like the performance of the Cardinals over the latter half of the season. And I don't think this is like a hot topic. I don't think this is a hot take. I think everyone kind of feels this way. I think a lot of things, a lot of this could have been handled internally, um, but it wasn't. And I feel like it's kind of been drawn out now, but I think 
I feel like Chris kind of um, articulated most of the the points about like what the Cardinals need to do to get better. Um, so I'm not gonna to harp on that as much. But I just think that like a lot of this could have been handled better. And when you're a franchise kind of associated with losing a lot more than you are with winning, you kind of see it in the way that people kind of handle stuff. I just feel like a lot of blame was placed on Kyler and it should have been equally as distributed. That's all I have to say on that. All right, that sounds fair. So we're going to move on to the next topic. All right, so the next topic, we're going to go into the free agency. You know, NFL season is over with the free agencies. This is one of the, the biggest things right now in the offseason besides the NFL draft. Uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of good players um, inside this 2022 NFL free agency. And, you know, and we're going to try and figure out uh, the, the best free agents in this uh, in this free agency class and what team we would like for them to, to sign to. And hopefully the team's able to pick them up, vice versa. So, you know, I'm going to swing it to Chris first, you know. I mean, Devontae Adams, I mean – He's like the number one right now, in my opinion, in terms of free agency. But what's your thoughts and who you think is the best free agent right now and what team should be? I mean, I've, I've already said numerous occasions that in the perfect world, I want Devontae Adams to go to the Raiders. So come on, I mean, man. What do you mean, come on, man? You make it seem like it's a long shot. <laughs> you playing with you make it Chris. Seem- Right, he makes it seem like it's a long shot. So, he, did you go? Did you I never said he was going there. I just said in a perfect world, I would want him to go there. What, and since he want to say, there's no perfect world, man. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Come on, man. Let's be realistic, right? Let's How would that be? How would that be realistic? Let's, 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 first of all, first of all, Devontae Adams is coming out before saying he wouldn't mind playing with Derek Carr again. Oh, so, but, but, oh, 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 yeah, so you didn't know. So shut your mouth and let me talk then. So you didn't know perfect that. world. Right, so yeah. did you know they played with each other in college? I was aware of that, sir. But continue. Did you know they played together in college? Uh, I was not aware no. of that. No. So let me finish then. <laughs> exactly. So you just you just mute your mic and let me finish. So anyway. Hey, chill out, Chris. You ain't got to do anything like that. You got you, it, right? no, no, he you started don't. it. What you mean? He says perfect world, but continue, continue, continue. He's he's starting it. Like, shout out. Anyway, before I so really interrupted, yes, in a perfect world, I would like to see Devontae Ams go to the Raiders. Now, what team do I think he will go to is I'm not sure. Only in the sense that I know a lot of teams will want him for his services, but I feel like if Aaron Rodgers ultimately decides that he's not retiring, I feel like Devontae Adams' first choice is to go wherever Aaron Rodgers ends up going to because I feel like he still wants to play with him. He still wants to win the Super Bowl with him. So I can't really say what team I would like to see. I, w- I'm, I think he would go to because, again, I think his decision is going to be based off of what Aaron Rodgers does first. We have to wait on that. So I think a big name that nobody is talking about yet is Mike Williams, the wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I don't see him returning to Los Angeles only for the simple fact that I feel like he wants to get paid like a number one receiver. He wants to be a number one receiver. Albeit, I think he was in a really good situation with L.A. I think he's going to go to a team that just need that really desperately needs a number one receiver. And I think he's also going to go to the team that gives him the most money. So I wouldn't be surprised seeing him on a team that has a lot of cash space. So if I saw so like somebody like Jacksonville, uh, and then outside Jacksonville, maybe what's the team I was thinking of? A good team, actually, a good team I was thinking of that didn't think about that I actually thought about was Tennessee. Um, and I feel like with that case, I feel like that AJ Brown Julio Jones experiment did not go as according to plan. And I think it's only going to get worse just with Julio Jones getting older and just more wear and tear on his body. He's going to keep getting injured. So I think that they're going to need a replacement wide receiver. But I do think Mike Williams is just going to go to the high, whatever team gives him the most money. And I think for the defensive side of the ball, I, uh, I want to see Stephon Gilmore go to a winning team. Um, at first, when he first got traded to the Panthers, I thought it was a good pickup for the Panthers at the time because, again, they were coming off. I think they might have been 3-1, and one, but they're still undefeated at the time. So getting a Stephon Gilmore seemed like a good fit for him. But even though he played decently well or okay with the Panthers, we saw that the meltdown they had. So I think seeing him – on a contending team would um, boost his confidence. And again, a team could always use a cornerback. So a team that could be Stephon Gilmore going to, I think we're going to stay in the NFC, 
I can see him going to a team like the Saints, possibly, or um, if Aaron Rodgers ultimately decides to go back to Green Bay, somehow try to get him to Green Bay. If he was to stay in the AFC, I could see him going to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, and I would hate to see that. But I think that with Stephon Gilmore, he needs to go to a team that needs a cornerback. That doesn't have that doesn't like desperately need a cornerback, but they need a cornerback to help him get over that hump. So those are two I see. I think the other player that I would like to see that I want to see in a good environment is Chandler Jones. Um, I think ever since he left the Patriots. He really hasn't been on a winning team because, again, the Cardinals were kind of bad when he first got there. But they improved somewhat until, you know, they collapsed these last two years. So I think he's done in Arizona. I think a team that he could that he really fit well with is the Buffalo Bills. Again, the Bills are a team that are basically at the threshold of winning the Super Bowl. But I think the thing that they like is pass rushing. Chandler Jones can eat, can get you – 10 to 15 sacks a year still at his age. He hasn't lost a beat yet. So I think him going to the Bills will be a good fit for him. So those are my picks. Okay. It sounds some nice picks. Uh, Okay. Are those related to your perfect world? Listen, you'll be lucky (laughs) if anybody goes to the Eagles. How about that? Excuse me? I said you'll be lucky if anybody goes to the Eagles. Chris, yeah, I would, let them know. I, I would love to start this, but we, we don't got enough. All right, we ain't going to talk about Kend- the Eagles. Like, Kendrick, right. Kendrick, I'm going to to you. Give me your thoughts on this free agency. Listen, the best free agency is – I mean, the best free agent um, it, by, like, by straight name is Aaron Rodgers. Even though his age, he's still the best free agent out there. But I feel like, you know, you still got the Devontae Adams. You still got, you know – you got all those. You still got people on the defensive side, like Von Miller came off. Of, he only had a one year contract and all that. Um, I feel like. Let's see. For me, in a personal standpoint, I love to see like either Allen Robinson or uh, Chris God- uh, Godwin. Goodwin, one of the two. Um, I love to see them go to the Eagles. But, you know, that's you know, that's just a perfect that's a perfect world in my eyes. Um, but. For real, for real, I feel like I think Devontae's going to stick with A Rod unless like he can go to maybe somewhere with like uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, you know, one of those key caliber people. We even Derek Carr because you know that college that college reunion going to be uh, would be real nice. Let's see. Um, I feel like there's going to be definitely a high bidding war for Allen Robinson because he's he's been on the Bears like he did his time. I feel like he's not going to come back, so there's going to be a high bidding war for him. Uh, and that would be another good pickup for actually the Titans. The Titans could do that and pick up Allen Robinson. That would help the receiving core. But I feel like if the Titans really want to win now, I feel like they just got to they gotta move on from Ryan Tannehill and then uh, shoot their shot at the trying to get A-Rod and another wide receiver talent if they really want to try to have that win now mentality. Um but I just feel like there's gonna be just it's just high bidding for like such high high volume players on the both sides offensively and defensively that it's just gonna be like whoever has the most money or whoever has the whoever has the can bring in the best fit for like um these players they'll definitely go so it's like either it's gonna be a high bidding war or you know they're gonna be focused on signing a maybe a one or two year deal trying to win that championship right now. Okay. Uh. Mar, I'm swing it to you. Um, well, yes, my sleeper pick I was going to talk about was Mikael Williams. Chris brought him up. Um, I feel like he can go to a team that nobody's really expecting and he can turn them around. Mostly, I feel like he's going to go to a good team or, like Chris said, a team that pays well. But I really feel like he really wants to be the number one receiver and win. So I feel like he's going to go to a contending team. And the defensive side, um, I didn't hear anybody bring up Tyron Mateo. Um, I don't know. I, I really want to see him on the Ravens. I would like to see him on the Ravens for some reason. Um, I don't think I have a specific reason. I just feel like – or maybe I feel like he would fit their system well. But there's just something about him going to the Ravens that I would, like, personally enjoy. But the best ones that you can, you know, mainly go for is Devontae Adams. I don't think he's going to stay. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to stay. 
Time for Aaron Rodgers to move, huh? Yeah, I don't think they're gonna stay. Devontae Adams is he's too smart of a receiver to know his worth and to know he's not gonna play with anybody that he shouldn't be playing with. The yeah. lowest the lowest quarterback I could see him playing with is a Derek Carr of anything. That'd be the minimum he would go. That's not even bad. It's not even a bad thing to say. That's just his word. I feel like Jalen Hurts is the guy. Is Ooh. not the guy, right? He's Come not the guy, now. right? Come on listen, now. Listen, he I'm get gonna get the ball. He got Devontae can't... Smith. What do you need Adams for? You can't even get right. Smith. You can't have both right. Devontae's. Come on, we a little selfish, but I don't even think he would do that. <laughs> listen, listen. I don't think he would even do that because, as you said, Mark, he knows it's worse. So I feel like him playing with Jalen Hurts is kind of like dumb. Unless, you know, the mm-hmm. Eagles make a trade during this offseason, get through a little. I know, because Jalen like, Jay- Hurts ain't going to get him the ball. Excuse me, Raiders fan. Yeah, man. Another moment. Yeah, all these Jalen Hurts slander. Yeah, remember Greg? Greg. I, I said, well, I said one thing about him. Hold on, hold on, one at a time. If First thing, anything. I was the guy that was saying play Hurts when y'all still had wins. If anything, I was that guy. You was. So don't 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 it's be true. the don't say it's Hurts slander. I'm saying Devontae knows his word. That's all. Oh, all right, Mark, Greg. I'm gonna swing it to you before we move on to the to the NBA topics. Go ahead. I'm just saying, I, I didn't really have anything much to say. I just felt like you're saying, like, okay, like, Jalen Harris is still a developing quarterback. I feel like this is the first year that we have undeniable truth. It's undeniable fact that Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback going to the momentum. It's anything you want about Jalen, but he led the team to the to the playoffs. Which is better than most of these other draft, other of the first year draft, uh, first round uh, quarterbacks was able to do within the past year's draft, and I think within the past two years' draft. So let's just see what he does. Uh, but I'm just let's just see what kind of schedule he has this year. Let's see his schedule this year. Wait, wait, we talking about free agency, Greg? We talking about we 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 will settle this. I know. So I'm just I was using this point to just say that if are you do you want to know? You want me to respond to Mar? You want me to put my free agency? What's your free agency, Andy? You could go back and forth with Mar. Oh no, I mean I think JC. I think either JC Jackson. Or um, who's it? Oh, Carlton Davis should consider going to the Bengals because ooh, Eli Apple. What was going on in the Super Bowl? Just no, wild. they need old linemen. They need any old. No, 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 no. For sure, I think they're gonna. I thought they were gonna get old linemen help through the draft and the draft old linemen. But they definitely do need old linemen help. A lot of the old linemen that are in this, uh, that are in the like top free agents right now, like people like um, what's the boy name? Um, the boy that played for, I forget the the like Taron like Taron Armstead like he's cool he plays for the Saints. Um, but like there isn't a lot of old linemen that like really stick out to me right now that I feel like would be great to pick up via via free agency at the moment. So I think they should consider just drafting some um some old linemen help. Um, I mean you got Orlando Brown. That's on the Kansas City Chiefs, but he kind of had an up and down season this year. Um, so that's why I said go with Carlton. That's why I said go the Carlton Davis, like JC Jackson route, because they need cornerback help as well. And then they will get all linemen through the draft. I'm trying to think who would be a good candidate to get Mike Williams because he's a free agent if he decides not to sign, resign with the Chargers. Um, I haven't really considered an answer. I will say, for some reason, the name that comes to mind is that he feels meant to just go to the Jets. Mike Williams feels like a Jets player, wow. and I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I just, that's I just foul. That's foul. He feels like oh. a. He feels like a. He could boom or he could bust. Wow. <laughs> well, why would he go? Or, but why would he go there? Because they throw the bag oh, at him. What do you mean? Either the Jets or the the Jaguars. I think if he wants to benefit from a, a, a great opportunity, I think his sleeper option is to go to the Jaguars because well, they I'm have the sure second highest they have the second highest cap uh, a cap space in the league going into this offseason. They can throw the bag and they need a number one wide receiver because DJ Chark is already leaving and he was hurt this past year. You got a young developing quarterback. And um, I forget what the board name is. What's the, what's the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. 
And you know what I'm saying? They got a new coach in Doug and Doug Peterson who has shown you that with top wide receivers that he can make some noise in the league. So I'm just saying Mike Williams might want to consider Jaguars probably was what I should have said in the beginning. Jaguars first, but I'm saying just second just because they got the, play, the the cap space and they could throw them the bag. Um, outside of that, here's my – okay, one more thing, and then you can just you can say whatever you want. Here's my sleeper. Think about this for a second. And I want you all to just – you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but just think just, about it for a second. Just get straight to the point. I like to beat around the bush, Collins. Please, don't rush me. Um, so what if – if the Saints decide not to re-sign, uh, not to not to re-sign Jameis Winston, what if Jameis Winston goes back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and writes the wrongs? Oh, how I wish Lodge was here. That he that left that left the Saints left the 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 bad taste in the Buccaneers' mouth and rewrites his wrongs. You know what I'm saying? Learn from his ways, cut down on the turnover. They already championship pedigree, so they'll hold Jameis accountable. You know what I mean? And they become a powerhouse and become a powerhouse in the NFC for years to come. But you gotta make that's sure all, that's, but you gotta that's make it, sure might come back though. Fair. Uh, this is all under the hypothetical circumstances that everyone decides to come back or everyone does come back. And you can get Jameis at the minimum because like he already came off the ACL. You know what I mean? So you're not going to have to sign to this long-term deal for real. You feel me? So it's like, boom, you can get everybody back. You can get Jameis on a discount, you know what I'm saying, for a one-year, maybe two-year deal. Boom, let him prove himself. And you make that money. Come on, son. I, I, I don't know what gives you the confidence in them, but, you know, we're, we're going to move on to the next topic. We're going to go straight to the NBA. We're going to make a crossroads. That was the final topic of the NFL. Uh, All-Star weekend just passed. Uh uh, the dunk contest was disappointing, utterly. Uh, that's putting it lightly. The three-point contest was probably the best. The Roger Star Challenges was really, really interesting, the game format they had for that. And the All-Star Weekend was uh, the All-Star Weekend. But we're going to move on is for the first half of the season. We're going to talk about this, the first half. We're going to talk about the biggest surprises, the biggest disappointments, whether it was a franchise or whether it was a, a player individually or the trades. So, Kendrick, I'm going to swing it to you first. Um, so, the biggest surprise, this is going to be my biggest surprise and, like, the uh, yeah, the most surprising and the best team that I've seen. They're not top in the East, but the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, Darius Garland is also my player I'm going to pick as well. Just the whole Cavaliers, like, what they've been doing, how they've been playing, how Darius Garland and Evan Mobley has come in. And looking at the team's makeup of having starting three seven-footers, that's that's just wild in its own right. So it's like, all right, that's cool, I guess. But uh, it's just that whole makeup of that team and how, like, they're third in the East, I'm pretty sure, and how, like, or third or fourth in the East, and how well they're playing and just by uh, – just, like, everything about that team and where they're at now. Like, that would surprise me. That whole team surprised me. Um, about the trade, I say out of all the trades that happened, the Brooklyn Nets really won won the trade just by uh getting Ben Simmons and really being that piece that they actually needed, feeling like he's gonna be a better fit than James Harden would be, what has been. Um, and my biggest disappointment isn't really a disappointment, but it's just like uh I'm gonna go with the Lakers because it's like I understand that he could be taking the the lean back and then maybe ramp it up. But like that just whole entire team trying to like put all them together and like to try and win a championship. I just feel like that was already going to be a stretch, especially with like the different play styles that all that they all have, like between Russell and Bron trying to be, they're both ball dominant and need the ball to be able to do what they need to do. So it's like, I just didn't see how that was going to work out. And then AD, always get well is like being hurt and like in and out not being consistently in the lineup that's also affecting them and then so i just you know the lakers are disappointing me but i'm not surprised by that though i mean but your man russell westbrook uh it's been pretty disappointing putting it like it's your fair point guard what you mean him oh i got this one first of all that's not my man 
I respect his game and I respect his player. And I keep telling everybody this. Yeah, everyone, every time he goes to a different team, you look at the first half of the season, he plays horrible. And people say the same thing over and over again because he did it in Houston, he did it in Washington, and now he's doing it with the Lakers. I agree with you. I will agree with people and take back what I have to say if he plays trash in the second half of the season. But if history tends to repeat itself and he does what he usually does, he usually ramps up his play after the All-Star break. And then everybody's looking at like, wow, there goes Russell Westbrook, how we know Russell Westbrook. There goes Russell Westbrook, the MVP. And that that's just how he's been every time he goes to a new team each year. So I'm not going to discredit him or talk talk bad about him until after the second half, until like during this after All-Star break. And then I'll make my um true my true opinion about him but i'm letting him play his role let him do his thing how he's always done with every other team that he's gone to as uh as his first year there okay uh mar i'm gonna swing it to you um well the biggest surprise to me if i couldn't say it was the cavaliers i would have to say the memphis grizzlies when I saw how many games they won and where they were in the West, I was just mind-blown and surprised at how well they were doing this season. I knew they were good, but I didn't think they were going to be this good this season. And, oh, yeah, you know, just that's just that, that's just the DNA. But I would <laughs> say the Cavs, but unfortunately the Knicks ruined that because of what they did last year compared to what they did this season. So... The Cavs have to do it again for me to for me to believe in them. Um, biggest disappointment, like this is disappointment. I would have to say, yeah, the Lakers. They, I didn't really expect anything of it anyway. But to be like this, like, like somebody pointed out to me that the Clippers are doing better than the Lakers, and they don't even have their two stars. So that's like really embarrassing right there. So, and you said, I'm sorry, my bad. You said um, who won or, like, who had the best trade, right? Yeah, who had the best trade, in your opinion? Oh, yeah, we did. The Nets had the best trade, you know. We got got Ben Simmons. We got the big that we needed, and we got a shooter. Yeah. To go with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I don't think people are understanding that. They're saying, like, we just got a regular team. Like, they're matching that with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They ain't just regular people. No, that's just another story. So I think we did that. And did you say something about the signings? No, you were just talking about this season, right? No, just just the first half of the season. Just for that season. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. All right, Chris, I'm going to swing it to you then, Chris. Just give me your thoughts on the first half of the season. The biggest surprise and disappointments player franchise. I mean, I don't want to be a dead bush, but I'm basically going to have to because both of the people that went before me took my answers. I was also going to say that, in my opinion, the most surprising teams were the Cavs and the Grizzlies. For the Cavaliers, yes, when they first put their roster together, I did not expect the lineup with three seven-footers was going to work the way it did. Um, I didn't expect Darius Garland to develop into the caliber player that he is already. I thought it was going to take him some more time. I think that team is coming together very well. And again, they're very young. I do agree with more on the case that even though they're having success this year, I need to see it again, just so I know it's not a fluke like the Knicks showed. Um, so, but as of right now, they have been one of the more impressive teams. The other one, again, like somebody mentioned already, the Grizzlies. And for that, again, I mean, Ja, I, I knew Ja was going to be electrifying. I didn't know it was just going to happen so fast and i think that what uh i think that would really help some is that they really put a very a, a well-established young core around him with jaron jackson jr um they finally got a, a i think a better three indeed in dilla brooks and desmond bain desmond bain definitely has been playing playing well i think he's been a really good pickup for them i think stephen adams has given them a presence in the middle that they need nice oh, physical presence it's been a great been a great asset for Gizzy too. He's been all right. Yeah, he, is, he hasn't. First, you calling? Huh? Webby? I said, who answering? You were Chris. No, Chris answering. Thank you, Kendrick. Anyway, so yes, and I, I think, and I think that 
I'm, I'm, but I'm also a little bit concerned about the Grizzlies itself because I think even though they have Ja and Jaron Jackson, and I know that their nucleus is still young, I don't want this to be a fluke as well. So while they are impressing me right now, I think they need another. I think I want to see this happen for another year of them just being a dominant team. They don't have to be top three like they are right now, but they need to be definitely in the middle of the pack at least. I need to see them between the four and the six seed. If they can do that, then they'll solidify me as a as a very good team. Um, I think when it comes to disappointments, um, as far as teams go, again, I'm, I mean, we can all say the Lakers, but I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go with the Knicks and the Hawks only because, again, these are two teams that surprised me last year, especially the Hawks making all these Eastern Conference finals. And now you, and then again, they brought back the same team. They paid John Collins the money that he wanted, but they look completely different from what they did a year ago. So really, I, I mean, is this team really going to work is just what I'm trying to figure out. I know. And I think the Knicks, the Knicks are just a, they're just, a, they're terrible right now. I, I mean, I knew, I knew Julius Randle wasn't going to be the answer. I knew he really wasn't the number one option because again, I said last year, what the stuff that he was doing, I've already seen him do that stuff before. I seen him play at a high level average over 20 and get you almost a double up every night. Cause he did that with the Pelicans when he played alongside Anthony Davis. I don't think he could take over a team. And I think, that R.J. Barrett's um, progression is happening, but it's happening slower than what people want it to happen at. And not only that, though, I think Kimba Walker was a nice piece at first to bring in, but I think we realized that he's not the same player that he once was. And Evan Fournier, while he can shoot, while he can shoot you in, into a game, he can also shoot you out of a game, and he's very inconsistent. So I think they have a lot of issues going on as well in New York. Um, now, I think when it comes to, in my opinion, the best trade, I think the best trade was actually by Cleveland. I think them getting Karis LeVert is very crucial to their progression. Only since that he does that he's also a decent two-way player that can also potentially get you 20 a night if he wants to. I think they need another score, especially to fill the void since Colin Sexton is out. But again, that brings up the question that what are they going to do when Sexton comes back? I guess one of them going to go to the bench, or are they going to end up having to trade? trade one of trade Colin Sexton because before Colin Sexton got hurt, him and Darius Gall were building that chemistry. But Karis LeVert can do what Colin Sexton does. So it's like you had two of the same players now. So it's the I just my question is what are you going to do about that? Um I think outside of that, another I think another player that's really impressed me is Fred Van Vliet. And I think that in the sense that I think now that even though Toronto is still like a mediocre team right now, he's finally got an opportunity to just showcase what he can do. And he's taking full advantage of it. Uh, obviously he was an all-star, this all-star player. He's showing that he is a very reliable three-point shooter and he can score even as being an undersized guard. And I don't think he's going to develop into a, a, normal all-star kind of guy every year, but I think he's showing his value now and teams are really going to start looking at him because I don't think he's going to stay in Toronto forever, but he's showing that he can be a valuable piece to a contending team moving forward. All right. That sounds fair. Uh, Fred, Fred Van Vliet definitely has been playing out of his mind this year. So to the Toronto Raptors are, uh, I don't know if many people expected them going to the playoffs, but it definitely, uh, definitely a, a strong team. Uh, Greg, I'm gonna swing it to you. Greg, give me your thoughts. Um, a lot of different thoughts. Uh, I think in terms of the biggest, the biggest surprises, I'm just gonna go with. I mean, everyone kind of said a lot of the choices I was gonna make. Uh, in terms of just like the Cavs and and stuff like that. So I'm just gonna. I'm going to do you a wild card because I am actually surprised at just how well they're doing. Given the circumstances, I feel like the the Sixers have done a, a good job of keeping the boat afloat until they were able they were able to figure out like what they were going to do with um with Ben Simmons before the trade. I mean, like I just like I don't think that coming into the season I mean, there was a little, a lot of like smack talking coming in, like I feel like Sixers fan direction, just because they just thought we were gonna be like hot garbage, just because we didn't have Ben Simmons anymore. And if we weren't get, not hot garbage, we were just gonna be a middle of the pack type of team, not like towards the top of the Eastern Conference. So the fact that we finished like one game behind uh, for the best record in the East, uh, and Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level and playing out of his mind 
to keep the team afloat, um, I'd have to say is exceeding every Sixers fan expectation. Um, so it ha- is definitely a surprise for me. Um, in terms of like the biggest disappointments, uh, you know, I think Chris kind of touched on it with with the Hawks. Um, I will say that like I was really in terms of in season disappointment. I was also really disappointed in how the Wizards started the year versus how they plummeted towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Because I can't remember at one point the Wizards I think was even like leading it was like a top two team in the East after the first like. 15 games or something and they were playing out of their minds and I was like whoa like now I can see maybe this is why Bradley Beal stayed like you saw all this potential so for them to have fallen out the way that they did I think was um very disappointing um I also have to agree agree with Chris about like um Fred Van Fred Van Vliet I also think he's been playing very well I thought when and also Darius Garland as well just because um of how well he's been playing for the Cavs. The biggest trade or the best trade that I think um, may not necessarily feel like it right now, but I think that the Pacers and them being able to get Halliburton and the deal uh, from the um, from the Sacramento Kings, I think in the long term proved to be one of, like it is a foundational piece for that franchise. And I think Halliburton seems like a very loyal type of person that wants to build with a team. And he doesn't seem like someone that's going to move around. And I think for you to get someone like that super young that you can build with for your uh, franchise um, and is loyal like that, I think uh, the, the Pacers have to have one. Um, in my opinion, I think it's one of the steals of the, uh, of the trade deadline. So I feel like I've touched on it and everything, so that's it. Tyrese Halliburton, uh, definitely one of the, I think, you know, potential potential all. He's gonna make a couple all stars, in my opinion. I think uh, the Pacers definitely got uh, Chris Chris Diorte, uh, Isaiah Jackson. Uh, he, I think he has to show some more. Obviously, he's been going between G League and now, but it's basically finding minutes for him. I think the Pacers definitely got a young core. Uh, the potential draft pick they could get in uh, this year too. So uh, they definitely got a lot of potential. Can't wait uh, to look forward to those guys. But this concludes. Episode. I forgot about. Oh, can I add one more thing? Oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I forgot about one person's name that has impressed me a lot this year, and that is Dejounte Murray. I oh man, I I'm impressed with him, but I would really, I would really like for him to improve his three point shooting. That's all. If he can approach three-point shooting, he is going to be a very, very, very good point guard for the next decade. I definitely don't disagree. Oh, you know what? And I I don't think we've mentioned this team at all, but I've also just been super disappointed in the Trailblazers and just how how they've – how they've – But hasn't they hurt half the season? What actually? Yeah, what, actually, what you they, mean? They just won like four straights. That's the trade. They have, but even met, even met, though with Dame being hurt, he's still he's still been having a very bad. He's had a down year, right. so yeah, hit, I, Dame playing I, didn't I, change anything. I, 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 I mean, and, and I just I was I was just said it in the sense that like I feel like they should have kept CJ McCollum. Nah, obviously not. I think it was time for them to break up. Obviously not. I think it was time for the break. It was it was time. They they. They they should have actually got probably got received a couple years Start earlier after they, after, after no, the I agree, order. I agree, but I feel like when you didn't trade him, then I feel like it's a, like there are like he still could have given you a solid twenty per game, and I feel like the this Trailblazers could be making more noise right now with Anthony Simons and CJ McCollum as you wait for Dame to come back, and. Like allow so that when you go into the offseason, now CJ McCollum's trade value is at an all-time high because he was able to keep the the ship afloat with Anthony Simons while CJ while um um Dame Lillard was coming back, and then you trade him in the offseason for the top for with the illusion that he's a top like I don't know twenty player. But what was uh, all right? Okay. I mean, you could say that, but even at the same time, when Anthony Simons was having good games and so was Norman Powell, the team was still losing. So it, just the way the team was built just wasn't good. It, regardless of how 
how good Anthony Simon and CJ McCollum and Norman Powell were pl- could have played together, they pr- still probably could have ended up losing. I think the Blazers are right now are looking. I think they're looking to trade Dame. I mean, Dame seems like not to stay. Dame, the Blazers did what they. The Blazers are trying to rebuild around Dame. They got rid of CJ. They got rid of Norman. How old is Dame? Dame is Dame's is thirty-one. They got, but they got rid of everybody so they could try to bring in a star player. That's why they got rid of everybody. They want to try one more time with Dame, and if that doesn't work, then then I don't know what they're going to do. Hopefully, Dame just comes to a sense sooner or later. All right, that sounds fair. Sounds logical. All right, but that concludes episode 57 of the Restricted Zone podcast. I want to give a big thank you and shout out to my co-hosts, Kendrick, Greg, Chris, and Mar. Appreciate you guys. Uh, this was an electrifying episode. Hopefully the fans listening uh, agree with that too. You can also follow us. We are on all streaming platforms for free, whether it's your Android or iPhone user, it doesn't matter. It's free on all platforms. You can follow us on Instagram at Restricted Zone Pod. You can also follow the Restricted Zone crew individually. Uh, it'll be under the description, the link. So thanks a lot for tuning in. We're going to keep working. Uh, keep tuning in. And we really appreciate you guys.